Big Fluff. Paul and Catherine Wagner and their two sons, Chad and Alex. Those two men, can we find them? All right. Let's go after Ramon Zank. You've got an army waiting outside of what? Did you hear what he just told us? These were our parents. Look at them. I hear all kinds of bullshit every day, pal. You want some advice? Take your fancy clothes and your black silk underwear and go back to Disneyland. That's it. I guess you and I, Frankie, like always. Okay. You want some real action, tough guys? Let's do it. Hey, everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast that always goes flawlessly and never has technical difficulties. We also watch maligned movies and try to find their silver lining. Yeah, we the do. The silver lining this week is we watched Double Fucking Impact, baby. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we are continuing okay. our bromance month with the ultimate bromance, as Whitney Houston told us, because the greatest love of all is to love yourself or a version of yourself that is actually your twin brother, but you playing him and he's kind of a dick. <laughs> and you're Jean-Claude Van Damme. And you're Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, you know, so yeah, we watched uh, Double Impact, which uh, was great. Yeah. Uh, Cards on the Table, I loved this movie. Cards on the Table, I enjoyed this movie. Love feels like a heavy stamp, but... Uh, okay, no, I mean, based on my incredibly skewed taste in what constitutes a good or bad movie, I loved this movie. Sure. For this podcast, I loved this movie. Oh, for this podcast, I adored this movie. Let me tell you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, maybe thin on the bromance, but what an ego trip for JCVD in this, man. Oh, totally. Totally. Also, I think, can we just get this out of the way up top? Because we got to set up the plot for people who don't know, uh, which is, okay. So I was reading about this. You probably read the the same stuff that I read. And I saw something that that claims, and I I think you know I I mean it it is I think the reporting is accurate, but that this movie is based on an Alexander Dumas or a dumbass as Alexandre dumbass Alexandre dumbass um, story uh, that was I believe the Corsican brothers the is, Corsican brothers yeah yeah and I think that sounds nice. And I think that that made everyone involved feel like they wrote something uh, that that had, uh, you know, sort of nods to classical literature. But I'm also I'm calling bullshit. And I'll tell you why, because first of all, that story is about two conjoined twins who can feel each other's pain when the other is hurt, which if you want that, if you want a modern day example of that, watch G.I. Joe. Yeah, definitely and, watch G.I. Joe. 
So that being said, Tomax and Zamot. Yeah, Tomax and Zamot, great characters, but they they are the modern Corsican brothers. Oh, 100%. But um, but this movie and I'm going to they don't want to admit it, so I'm going to admit it for them. This is a parent trap. Yeah, this is this is a parent trap 100%. Yeah. Um I thought you, I didn't think you were going to have like a whole rant. I thought you were going to say this movie is based on the Corsican brothers and that sounds made up. <laughs> I mean, it is. It is, but yeah, I I obviously have a lot of thoughts on it, but uh but no, it's it's not. It's not no, based on the Corsican no. brothers. Other than like twins is about the only similarity. Like twins might have more similarities to the Corsican brothers. I I think so. I think if you really look at it, there's a lot of of <laughs> how have we never done twins for this podcast? That's a great question. Yeah. Okay. But all that being said, uh, yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with any sort of classical literature. Uh, but it's it's fun and it's a parent trap. And I know. Look, don't. Don't come at me and be like, well, it can't be a parent trap because they don't get their parents back together. But this is a darker parent trap where they're avenging the death of their parents. But it's still about two siblings played by the same actor who were separated at birth, who are reunited with a cockamamie plan (laughs) that involves their parents. And I'm just going to say it. I would watch a movie. I would watch a remake of this starring Lindsay Lohan. 100%. I would. I would watch Double Impact, the the reboot of Double Impact with Lindsay Lohan, 100%. Yeah, yeah which uh, she deserves it because now they're making Mean Girls without her. So I think it's time that she gets to take other people's franchises and start yeah, them. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, yeah, this, it's, this is absolutely a parent trap. The trap for the parents happens in the opening scene. <laughs> it's true. It's true. The parents it, get trapped real early in this one. Yeah, they, it's not the third act hijinks that traps the parents. No, it's it's a very uh, Bruce Wayne parent trap. <laughs> yeah, they're leaving Zorro, and the pearls fall all over the street. Yeah, uh, I want to save that scene for the silver linings. Sure, sure. But, you know, <laughs> um, no. So this movie, it's dumb, and its plot is incoherent. And they explain a little bit of why I believe Alex has a, a low country accent. No effort to explain why the Hong Kong raised one has a low country accent. Yeah, but because, yeah, they they there's dialogue to say that Alex was raised, you know, like I, I, you're a guy that's been, you know, Frank, who's claiming that I've told you your whole life that I'm your uncle, even though I'm not, uh, I, I took you there so that you could have this accent, but your other brother was dropped off at an orphanage in uh, in, <laughs> in Hong, Hong Kong. Kong and has lived apparently his entire life there and has the same accent as you. So maybe that's the Corsican brothers bit of it is that that even <laughs> they though they developed the same accent. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The the famously uh, naturally occurring phenomenon accents. Sure. Yeah. 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 It has for... nothing to do with nurture or the environment one is raised. Yeah. So, yeah, I did find that funny as well, that it's like, yeah, they do. They, there's no which, again, if Lindsay Lohan remade this, she did do accents in the parent. Yeah, trap. she did a very posh British accent and her normal voice. Just saying. Ahead of JCVD in that regard. And probably others. I, I don't know who does a better split. <laughs> which, 
Man, I guess well, you know what? We'll save that for the silver lining. Because... We're gonna save, I think this is gonna be a short maligning portion and a whole lot of silver linings. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I okay, what do we need? So yeah, I'm with you. The plot is both very straightforward. It's a our parents were killed revenge plot, and also ridiculously convoluted. I don't know that I ever understood why they killed their parents exactly, except development project money kill yeah i think the wikipedia synopsis did a better job of highlighting that but yeah there was like they're involved with some triad money building a tunnel yeah in hong kong and uh rather than pay them they decided to murder the parents of alex and chad yeah sort of like doing construction in new jersey yeah yeah um and then for whatever reason 25 years later they just is when they finally when frank notices a picture of chad of chad is he the hong kong one Does no, it matter? no no chad chad is the the one that frank has been raising the, the la one okay so alex yeah, is the hong Al- kong alex one. is the hong kong one and yeah chad's the one that wears like izod shirts and pastels yeah he wears the pastels and he's got poofier hair and then alex is uh he's the stoic one with slicked back hair he has the slick back hair. He's always chomping on a thin cigar. As uh, Tim Robbins would describe him, he's a piece of shit. He's eating sloppy steaks. Uh, yeah. He lives for New Year's Eve. I mean, who doesn't love a good sloppy steak, though, for being honest? Oh, yeah. You got to slop them up. Yeah. Slop those steaks up. <laughs> Bless you, Tim Robinson. Yeah. But <laughs> as as both that, I think you should leave sketch and this movie show, people can change. I can change. You can change. We that's can a, all change. That's a different movie. Wait, what? That's yeah, that's not that's not this oh. movie. Yeah. Oh. But what am I thinking of? Uh Goonies. Uh but <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, there's I look, I I want to be on Frank's side, okay? Because Frank, you know, I think he Alfreded as best he could for chad of really stepping in and being like because there's a whole melee where we say we we're going to talk about the scene but essentially their parents are killed and they're split up because uh the the nanny grabs uh alex and then frank is able to grab uh chad, chad. so so he he thinks that chad is the only surviving kid but at the same time too like so good on him that he came to the rescue he showed up and, you know, was able to help save the kids and take out some of these triad members. But then he seems like he's both been like gaslighting Chad his entire life and also not preparing him for this moment that seems kind of inevitable that the past. Like, he's not really trained to do any. He doesn't know how to operate a, a firearm, which Frank very much does. He knows karate, but he knows like. LA, I'm trying to get laid karate, not I'm going to have to fight the triads karate. You know, if you listen to uh, my other podcast, Mackin' with Andy <laughs> Mack, you'd hear, all, you'd hear all about the fact that I have a brown belt in LA trying to get laid karate. Yeah, if I, I remember that episode. If I remember correctly, you learned from Elvis's guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, Billy Blanks. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, that is a deep cut reference for anyone born after 1996. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, anyways, so yeah, and then they decide now is the time to go to Hong Kong to try to exact revenge on this triad. Mm-hmm. Why not? So they True. go. Uh, Alex's girlfriend sees Chad, thinks it's Alex, stuffs cash in. Another guy gives Alex money out of nowhere. Yeah. The girl, like, touches his wee-wee. And then then they go on a series of raids against the triad without directly attacking the triad. Yeah, they blow up one of their clubs first. Until the triad attacks them, and then they beat the triad? Is that the plot? Well, yes, except you forgot the part where... Um, and I do, I do think this is something that we need to malign both, both there's a silver lining and a maligning in the same scene. But so as you talked about, there's, uh, this character of Danielle who she's dating Alex, but she mistakes Chad for him. Understandable considering he's a secret twin brother that she didn't know existed. Sure. I think you're allowed to not know that that's not your boyfriend. I think uh, it's a reasonable thing to initially assume, oh, you just changed your hair. Right. But what ends up happening is there's there's a whole scene where she is in some peril and she calls and the only person who's there is Chad because Alex and Frank are out and he rushes into action to save her by himself because he doesn't know how to find them. And while he's doing that, Alex gets home and realizes that the two of them are together and then gets drunk and imagines that they're having sex, which is also hilarious to think about because he's picturing them having sex, but that's also just picturing yourself having sex with her. Essentially. It's picking with picturing yourself with a different haircut. Having yeah. sex. <laughs> that's all you're doing in that moment. But he gets really drunk and then he, uh, he assaults her, like, which I, that is a huge thing, I think, to malign of. Like, oh, I did absolutely. not think that needed to be in the movie, but then it does lead to a silver lining that we'll, I'm sure, talk about, which is that then the, the two Jean-Claude Van Dams fight each other. Yes. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's, yeah. So we'll put a pin in that. But, yeah. but the lead up to that, <laughs> while I did think it was hilarious, it could, because it's also, it's this, like, hyper you know like you oh, know it's so stylized soft lighting it, it's very skinamax is what it is yeah it, it's a full on it feels like jean-claude van damme wanted a sex scene but but whoever this writer was that thought they were you know evoking the spirit of alexandra dumbass um you know they they very much wanted it to be more meaningful than just your average Skinamax sex scene. So it's a weird blending of two where you have a drunk guy stumbling around picturing punching walls, punching <laughs> walls and picturing himself having stylized sex. That's the, that's like, I don't know why that didn't click with me. How just bananas that is. Because <laughs> it's, it's like, like you're watching it and you're like, yeah, it's a sex scene. Oh, wait, Alex is picturing Chad who looks exactly like Alex. Yeah. Have sex with his girlfriend. So he's just getting mad fantasizing about his girlfriend. Right. And essentially him. I mean, I look, I don't have a twin. I don't know what it's like. But if you ever want to picture what it's like for your twin to have sex, film yourself having sex, I guess. With a wig on. Yeah. <laughs> or or style your hair a little different and then film yeah. yourself having sex with your uh, partner. Yeah. I don't know. If hey, look, if any twins and then send are, those tapes care of 
Silver Look, Linings Playback. If any twins are listening, please, please hit us up. Let us know if you've imagined your twin. If there's uh, any twins that have been cuckolded by their twin, let our, us know how mad that made you. This is our pivot to a Jerry Springer style podcast where now we just have like the, the just chaos, the freak of the week chaos. And we get two twins on to be like, he pretended to be me and he, she didn't know. But then she told me she did know and she liked it even more. Oh, yeah, she knew because my penis is bigger. It's no, it ain't, Charles. <laughs> no, it ain't. They're identical. <laughs> they're the same penis. When uh, you have an orgasm, I feel it, too, because we're Corsican. <laughs> Just like them G.I. Joe characters. <laughs> Tomax and Zaymon. <laughs> Which is what I say before I come. <laughs> it's It's weird. Yeah. Why do you know? Well, you're saying it's weird like you know. Well, I was like, <laughs> you know. Do you, I just, get, do you do you like go around angrily imagining me having sex with people? Like twice. Okay. That's that's a reasonable. A that's. Well, okay. That's what? Too, no, that's no, too I'm, high. I think Moving that's on. too many. <laughs> twice. Just twice. I think once today. a day is understandable. You know. Yeah. Uh <laughs> No action, Zaymon. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> How quickly would your relationship end if you actually did that with someone? I hope immediately, <laughs> justifiably. Yeah. Which also, okay, look, this. <laughs> there were never any rails to this episode, but because we're here, we might as well. You know, the only way out is through. So yeah, just gotta power through. So with both. Tomax and Zema and their uh, literary inspiration, the Corsican brothers. When one of them comes, the other one would feel that too then, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Just want to make sure. How could it be anything else? Right. So, like, presumably one of them is getting laid and the other one is out, I don't know, grocery shopping. And then it's just like, oh, <laughs> me and reverse me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um i'm i apologize to everyone listening to this no episode. You, yeah <laughs> i feel like we should put a warning in front of this episode it's like don't listen to minutes like four through eight <laughs> exactly i think jean-claude van damme would appreciate this episode though i think that there was a time where you couldn't have made a better casting choice for tomax and zaymot than jean-claude van damme yeah no i, I would agree with that uh, I, mean, I think, you know, he's obviously aged out a little bit, but he still. also I was really you probably read this, too. This is the first of four times that he's played identical twins in movies. And the best. Yeah, well, for sure, the best. Are you are you are you counting Time Cop with like the time twins? I You know, I don't have the I don't have the, all the movies in front of me. It was just a thing. It was a piece of trivia that I read, but I'll see if I can find it and give you a full. Uh, uh, it's fine. Um. But possibly, but also it'd be funny if it, that doesn't count that because then that would mean five. Yeah, because he definitely did scenes with himself in that movie. He just really likes acting opposite himself. Of all of the like. Ugh. Which, Anyways, I mean, and again, it's like, you know, we do an entire month dedicated to Nick Cage and it's like Nick Cage. God bless him. You watch that movie adaptation and it's 
one of the well, two of the finest performances I've ever seen in a movie where it is very clear, like you could close your eyes and just based on the cadence of his voice, know which of if he was playing Charlie or uh, uh, Donald Kaufman. And then the mannerisms are completely different. It is two unique performances. And look, I, I love Jean-Claude Van Damme. His movies are fun. There were a lot of times watching this movie where I really had to like, like sit forward and squint to be like, what's the hair look like? Yeah, I would say the smartest choice is that they made their hair very different. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Maximum Risk, The Order, and Replicant. So no. That was so not Time Cop. Time Twins don't count. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, yeah. Like, because I guess, because it's saying dual roles. So I guess technically that's not a dual role because it's the same role at two different points on their timeline. It, yeah. It's the same as what Bill and Ted encounter in their movies so with bill and ted though because we'll never talk about those movies because they're flawless and unassailable yeah do the good robot uses count as different bill and ted roles i would say that the good i would say okay in bill and ted's excellent adventure i think they play one role or the even, evil robot us well, yeah, that's what i was gonna say is like so because, yeah, I don't know if they play the good robot us's, but if they if that is them in those suits, then. But OK, I think it's their voices. I bet it's just uh, other people because costume why? performers. Yes. So. In the first movie, they only play one role because they play themselves at different timelines, but that's one character. I would say the evil robot us's is uh, a different character. And if they did play the good robot us's, that would be a third character. But I, I'm with you that they probably did not play them. They just ADR the voices in. Right. Yeah, that sounds right. All right. I, good, glad we got that cleared up on this episode talking well, about double impact. Well, and also we would look, we're not because we're never going to get another chance to talk about that movie. Can I just say that one of the greatest joys of my life was having grown up watching the Bill and Ted movies, which I loved, and then going to college, taking a film class, and watching Seventh Seal and ha like just having a moment where I was like, wait. This is what they were parodying because I love that Venn diagram, which is people who grew up watching Bill and Ted and then took a film class in college are the only people that are getting that that's what that reference is. Yeah, it's <laughs> I think I had the same experience. It's amazing, but it's it is because like the death, you know, the character of death is based on the exact character of death from Seven Seal and then. In that movie, they're playing chess. You know, the character's playing chess with death. And so that's why they play all the board games and stuff. Yeah, it's a uh, Seven Seal great movie, too. It is. Yeah. Like, it's really good. Uh, Max von Sydow as uh, the human. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's still William Sadler as death in both. Yeah, that's he reprised his role for Bill and Ted. <laughs> um. I think that's our second William Sadler reference in this episode, actually. Because yeah. the Shawshank reference was a William Sadler quote. That Yeah, exactly. Which is funny, too, because uh, William Sadler, like all of this didn't, you know, Bill and Ted didn't come up when we did uh, the Die Hard, Die Harder. Yeah, that had William Sadler. Yeah, we didn't bring up any of this. Not one bit. Um, so... I want to put this in the liminal space, I think. I think it was we start to transition towards a pivot. Sure. Um, 
I didn't the the scenes when they were both on the screen at the same time were not as jarring as I expected them to be. I expected them to look worse. Yeah. Yeah, there's like, you know, the, the sort like of normal. You can clearly tell that it's green screen and all that, but. Yeah, and like sometimes when they were supposed to look at each other, there was the kind of classic eyeline problems or whatever, you know. But but yeah, I agree that it, it didn't look bad. It, like, did, it just didn't look real. Do you see the line like Patty Duke? Yeah, well, yeah, there, there's also that tell that you get in like older movies where when they do a green screen that the footage that they're being laid over top of looks worse. For some reason, you know, right. like the lighting will change or whatever. So or the another classic one is where they the lighting would not match of the two, you know, which is like it's wild now. Like now they can do crazy stuff where they can literally just split a frame and a half, you know, and they yeah. can lock camera movement so they can actually move the camera and have both of them interact in the frame while the camera's moving. Yeah, uh, no, it's it's amazing. The type of stuff they can do that you could have a thousand ant-mans yeah and it looks flawless and there's no notes i mean that was cg i'm sure but uh still no they they, they cloned paul rudd a thousand <laughs> times um i know this this other thing a comment i want to make is it's not really a silver lining but it's definitely not a maligning of the movie um this movie couldn't get made today and i say that not like as a like oh you know movies or whatever but this movie is so sincere and it's utterly absent irony. Yeah. In a way that you could not make like this movie would be like if they tried to make this similar movie day, it would be so winky and so like, you know, like in on the joke and all of that. But like this movie is so sincere. Yes. Although I, I do say like I agree with that and I, I do kind of appreciate it for it. But I think it is liminal space as well because. I do actually think that I would have at least liked to see a version of this where they heightened Chad to be more of like a parody of an actor, you know? So it's like you really had kind of a, a dual thing where like Alex is movie Jean-Claude Van Damme and Chad is a guy who, portray you know, like he's the, he's the guy that gets cast to play that role in the movie. Yeah, which because I saw some quotes from uh, JCVD where he kind of said, like, I'm, I am closer to Chad than Alex. Like, that's, you know, more. So I but I think like a heightened version of Chad where it's like he never really had to learn how to do anything. So you're kind of playing off of perception of Jean-Claude Van Damme versus reality of Jean-Claude Van Damme. I think they could have heightened that if they had wanted yeah. to. And no, gotten... I, think, I, I think that they could have still done that without the irony. Yes. That like if this movie like. This movie would have been so winky, like just the way they the way they write movies and the way movies get made are so like self-referential and smug, for lack of a better word, and insincere that like this movie, it was kind of refreshing to remember a time when there were tons of just bananas, cheesy action movies that weren't yeah. in on the joke in an endearing way. A time when Jean-Claude Van Damme could hit the bottle and punch a wall and imagine his and brother with him having sex with his girlfriend. And it's not a joke. Like, it's and not, it's not played... played for remotely played for laughs. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but no, I, I, I don't know. That's just like. And I think to fully pivot, like the opening scene of this movie is a just a badass action scene. It is. Yeah. And it's those, those scenes are hard to do, I think, a lot of times, because 
you know, we're, we're all there to watch two Jean-Claude Van Dams, and you're asking us to watch a pretty long scene that is them as babies and, like, their parents. Played by Jean-Claude Van Damme. They actually filmed it. They boyhooded it. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, that, like, and this it, kid's going to grow up to be. So much work. And, and yeah, it was. What I appreciated was that they still gave the babies. One had slick back hair. And yeah. one had poofier hair. And I thought See, that was See, that's really... what would happen today if they made that movie. The babies would have the same stupid haircuts. So you're saying it'd be better now? Well, I mean, maybe. <laughs> All right. Uh, um, but but yeah, you know, the opening scene is really good. And also, I think just because this, you know, this I, I think is a through line, but I think you really see it in the opening scene. Jeffrey Lewis is doing some really great work in this movie. Yeah. And I, I really like him as an actor. He, uh, as you, you know, and if people have listened to all these know, I really love the movie The Way of the Gun. And I love him so much in that. Uh, but he just has this both gravitas and he makes really unexpected choices as an actor. No, he's he's such a fun that guy actor. Yeah. And so I really liked him. And the opening scene really it does hinge on him because he's the only character from that scene on the good guy side that we're going to see again. And so uh, it's this because the whole thing is that he is protecting the family and then they give him the night off. And then that's when the window of time that they're killed. And so then he realizes too late that they've been set up and tries to save them. Yeah. And it's, uh, he high speeds there basically takes out half the triad with just a handgun. Yep. Yeah. And then they are able to get everybody to safety. And then we cut to 25 years later and the movie gets rolling. Um, but no, he's great. Uh, Got to give a shout out to Bolo Young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like uh, for my money, I don't know that there's a better martial arts movie bad guy than Bolo Young or Bolo Young. Right. And uh, I was reading, too, that they they had worked him and Jean-Claude Van Damme had worked together on a previous movie, which I can't remember what that was. But Bloodsport. Yeah, on Bloodsport. Right, right, right. And then... Um, Van Damme. You want to watch a badass martial arts flick. Bloodsport yeah, is no, a Bloodsport. badass martial arts yeah. flick. Bloodsport is great. But yeah, then uh, Van Damme requested him for this movie. Like he wanted. Yeah, they be, they became friends on the set of that. And then, um, yeah. And, and like they've said, they wanted to do a movie where they're like on the same side. They've just never done it. Yeah. yeah. But Bolo Young is. Uh, yeah, he's great. Um, he was uh, a frequent villain in. Um, Bruce Lee movies. Yeah. And uh, he, he's the bad guy in Bloodsport. He's the bad guy in that. He's like the, the physical big bad, but not like the money power big bad. Which uh, it, it's, it's an interesting choice. I don't think that like I wouldn't malign it, but it is fascinating that they have him defeated kind of early in terms of the climax of the film. And then it's both Jean-Claude Van Damme's fighting old men. Right. That are not old triad bosses. Old triad bosses. Yeah. Who who both white guys who are bought out by triad bosses. Right. Who just have like, you know, a power equipment, you know, like like heavy machinery that they're trying to use to their advantage, because none of us believe that those guys have any chance in a fight. But it's just I just thought that was interesting. You dispatch the guy who feels like a real threat. And then it's like, here's an old man (laughs) who's going to fight him. But I think it's like the second time uh, one of the JCBDs fights Bolo 
where he just rips off his shirt and flexes and is just shredded. And it's such a badass scene. Oh, yeah. There's a there's another scene. It might be the same scene because maybe he is shirtless, but where he has like a barrel over his head at one point. He just starts Donkey Konging. <laughs> yeah, like he goes full Donkey Kong. No, he's uh, a very formidable threat. And their, their fight stuff is really great. I did, by the way, love the... So the one old man that I think is trying to take out, uh, Chad has just some kind of piece of heavy machinery he's trying to it, it has like a big um trailer or you know like a, a shipping container it's a shipping container yeah, uh, they try to beat him up with shipping containers yeah so he, he's, but he tries to use a shipping container to like push alex off of the dock into the water and then he's looking for him in the water and it's this full like undertaker reveal that alex has gotten into the the heavy machinery behind him and just drops the shipping container on the guy's head. And it's all of it's perfect. It's perfect. It's it's. um, Yeah, it's no, the, the last 20 minutes or so of this movie are just action movie gold. It's just bonkers. Awesome. Like late 80s, early 90s action. And it's it's. This movie, I, this movie rules. Like, it's no, it's it's super fun. We also we have to give a shout out to the only other true big bad is uh, Corey Everson who plays Kara. Yeah, and she's great. Like she's she just, plays like the heavy next yeah, to Bolo Young because she just like yeah she's like crushing Jean Claude Van Damme's head with her thighs and just you know has a complete. Like she is physically intimidating and uh, is just a great, yeah, just heavy, like just the muscle. Yeah, there's the weird scene where she's like flying around in the helicopter with binoculars, but can't see anything, even though they're very much out in the open. That's a little weird. Yeah. Well, hey, look, she can't be good at everything. You know what it is? I bet that she's such a badass that she actually needs to wear glasses, but she won't do it. Because, like, it ruins her aesthetic. So she's legally blind, but she just won't admit it. And and no one's... They all know. And they're know? just not going to say anything. No, because who who wants to be the one to call her out and be like, I think you need readers. You know, come on. You need some cheaters at the very... <laughs> at a minimum. And she just snaps their neck. Yeah. No, she's great. Um, But, yeah, Corey Everson, uh, multiple-time Miss Olympia bodybuilding champion... Um, you had a had a fairly decent movie career playing similar roles kind of across movies and no, she's awesome. She's great in this. No, she really is. Like, yeah, she she felt just as formidable a threat as, uh, as yeah, Moon. Yeah, the uh this uh, Yeah, the opening action scene, man, like if it was just a short film, it's like a badass action short film. Yeah, no, it's very good. Self-contained. Um, um yeah. Yeah, and I don't know, like, there's just, like, this just took me on such, like, an early 90s movie nostalgia trip. Like, just the super aggressive opening titles that take 12 seconds and then they get to the movie. They also have that great early 90s sound effect that's just like, it's like the text goes and it just says, yeah, that's what we should have done. For It wouldn't have played as well on a podcast, but that's what we should have done for for this podcast It's just... Just silver linings playback, just in 90s font, and it just goes zoom. zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Um no, I I uh Can I can I have a stray silver lining real quick? Always. Because I texted this line to you. I, I was gonna pull it, but like I said, I was having some technical difficulties before this recording. But 
The introduction of Chad, who is teaching a, a women's karate class or women's exercise class. And then he goes to the karate class, I think. But he's just he's in his like leggings and, you know, he's just all these women are fawning over him. This is a real line of dialogue from this movie. Because of my big legs and karate, I can do the splits no problem. Which kind of yeah, sounds like a, a Tracy Jordan line. <laughs> it it kind of does. Um, <laughs> that scene is... Like, that scene is somehow hornier than the weird sex scene. It is, because it, it's just... Because then he does the splits, and he's like just down in the splits position and all these women are, it's clearly working for them. Yeah, no, they're into it big yeah. time. And, it's and like, then he goes down and kicks a customer in the face. Yeah, because the customer <laughs> falls for the classic. You know what? I do miss this about 90s movies. And I think the greatest example of it is Con Air. But I love a 90s movie where our protagonist is clearly a badass. You know, in that movie, it's Nicolas Cage, but he's a fully decorated Nicolas Cage with all of his like medals and from combat and everything. But this one is just Jean-Claude Van Damme. Sure. He's wearing pink, you know, uh, stretch pants or whatever. But that's the thing is that all the karate students are wearing either uh, stark white or pink uh, geese. Yeah. So it's not even like he, he looks out of place, but sure. He's wearing like leggings and a tight crop top. Maybe I feel like, but he's wearing in like unitard pants. Like he's wearing like a unitard. It's, it's very 80s workout. But I just, this is such, it feels like such a staple to me of 90s movies where there's a clearly just ridiculously muscled and intimidating man who someone goes up to and is just like, hey, pussy. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? And the dude, like, wasn't in bad shape, but on his best day doesn't hold a candle to Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just the idea of threatening Jean-Claude Van Damme is, is in 1991 is so funny to me. I still don't think you should do it now, but in 1991. No, I think it's a bad idea now as well, <laughs> but no, yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme was legitimately badass at any stage of his, like, heyday. If you, here's a question. If you had to fight any of the, you know, sort of these these guys from the 90s, who would you fight? Because I have an answer of these like action 90s action heroes, 90s action stars. Yeah, because I do you want my answer. I'll give you my answer if you want to think. About OK, it. Steven Seagal. Who would you say? Seagal. Seagal. I think I could fight I think Steven that, Seagal. I think that would now I maybe I think yeah. that would go badly. Well, I don't think Steven Seagal, I, I, there's stories about him. I, I don't think that he's a, like, it seems like he's a little bit of a paper tiger. You know, like, I, I think he might have been. It could be. Yeah. I'm not saying I'd win, but I'm saying if I had to fight, uh, you know, a 90s action star. Because I'm not fighting Schwarzenegger, you know. I'm not, I'm not know, fighting I, Stallone. I feel like if it's like a fight, because how good of a fighter was Schwarzenegger really? Do you want to find out? No. <laughs> Yeah. But I'm saying like he probably has the least like martial arts training of anybody. You think you like maybe you could like sweep his legs or something? I'm just saying like I mean nowhere close in terms of strength. Probably faster in every conceivable manner, you know, sure. But like I think I could probably avoid catastrophic injury best against Arnold versus like Jean-Claude Van Damme. I mean the clear answer is you don't fight Van Damme. 
No, you don't fight Van Damme. Like, that's the, the one for sure that I'm not, you know. Is it Bruce Willis? I don't. I mean, I don't. I think Bruce Willis is. He's from Philly. Do you want to fight a guy he, from Philadelphia? He was a boxer. Yeah, you don't fight okay, a guy pass, from Philadelphia. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like if there's anyone that I probably approach having a size advantage on. I mean, yeah, you're definitely bigger than than Bruce Willis because Bruce Willis is I'm bigger little, than Stallone, too. But like Stallone's stocky, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's I'm saying like if you want to I like to avoid catastrophic injury, I think your best bet is Arnold. I, I'm still going Seagal. That's that's my answer. I mean, I could, I, I could see that. It's not Wesley Snipes. He would mess you no, uh, any of us no, up. No, it's definitely not Wesley Snipes. I've seen Blade. Like, are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> um, it's Chris Christopherson in Blade. That's who I'm fighting. That's I'm fighting Chris Christopherson in and, Blade. And he has to have the same knees that Whistler has. <laughs> I'm and, fighting Raul Julia in, in Street Fighter. <laughs> That's not fair. He was not well. Can't do hey, that. He, t- he asked and answered. Um, uh, but I would look. The other thing, if I'm fighting Chris Christopherson, I'm definitely surprised. I'm I'm sneak attacking him from behind, taking out that knee and saying, catch you fuckers at a bad time. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. For happening. sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it goes well with any of those action stars. Probably not. There is a great story, though, about Seagal being choked out by a fight choreographer. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's good time. Yeah, that's that's the only reason I, I feel like I see a crack in that armor. But, you know, the, those are famous last words as Steven Seagal. Like, yeah, but, I've, but the other thing with Steven Seagal me. is like his fights were bad because he was like realistic. His fights took the length of, of fights in real life. That's true. His movie yeah. fights. Yeah. Yeah, because like real life fights are short. Yeah. Like they're not, you know, 16 minute back and forth. it's not they live. That fight isn't a real life fight. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I also you know, like, not just for the record, not fighting either one of them. Not fighting Piper, not fighting Keith David. No. If I had to pick, it'd probably be Keith David of those two. Because Piper's going to fight dirty. Yeah, but I'm not fighting Keith. Yeah, Piper's had to fight people. I think that's the other thing of like. Everyone on this list, like Piper was a wrestler in the 70s. Like he fought fans. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, he, I think he was stabbed three times, if I'm remembering correctly. He also had lost. acid thrown on him. Yeah. So like he's you know what? OK, now here we go. This is where we've been leading Andy all of these years. Who would you fight if you had to fight one of them? Jean-Claude Van Damme or Rowdy Roddy Piper? That's a tough one. Because mm-hmm. you're getting just catastrophically damaged in different ways in each fight. Yes. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to say Van Damme and I'll tell you why. Oh, this is interesting because I, I think I have a reason I would fight Van Damme too and I wonder if it's the same reason. I think that I would get one shot KO'd so quickly yes, against Van Damme. Yes, it's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, that that's the best option. Yes, because Van Damme will kick you in the head and you'll wake up a week later. Piper, <laughs> Whereas Piper's going to make it hurt. You know, he's just going to keep beating you. So you learn he's 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 going to keep you just at that edge <laughs> of going down. Yeah, exactly. No. So, yeah. 
to Van Dam, you are a fly that he's swatting, and to Piper, you are an example that he's making. <laughs> that's that's the best way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> uh I'm glad we finally got here. It took us yeah. almost 200 episodes, but we finally got to the real question that's on and everyone's mind. Just so we're mind. clear, we wouldn't win any of those fights. No, absolutely not. No, we're I, not asking know. who we think we could beat. No, that's not the reason we're saying no. we fight these guys. Let's no. make that so abundantly clear. No, I do not think I would win any of those fights. 100%. They would all win now, and also now. You know. Yeah, I mean, let's if we're being perfectly honest. Yeah, and I'm in decent shape, but. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. It's. Yeah. It would just go so bad fighting <laughs> 1980s Rowdy Roddy Piper. Um. All right. Well, we, we did it. We did. But you know what? Oh, because we, we just because we said it, but we we said we put a pin in it and then we didn't. Oh, really we got to take the pin out. Yes. So this scene where he fights himself, that's the like the end is great. The opening scene is great. But you pay the money to watch Double Impact. Oh, that's for that scene. You to to watch TVD fight himself. And it's it's very well done because, I mean, you talked about other scenes where, like, you see them both in the same frame and it works pretty well. The way that they choreographed and filmed that fight scene, it's very credible in that they never bother to try to show them both in the same frame. So it's just a lot of quick cuts that do effectively make it seem like he's fighting himself. Well, yeah, and it's excellent use of stunt performers that have really similar body types. And no, it's you couldn't have done it better in 1990 when this was filmed. I'd argue you might not be able to do it better now. Like they probably could do a shot of with both of them in the same frame now because you could replace. You could get some of that. Like you could probably get like some over the shoulder stuff that looked really good with like some punches. Yeah. And things. But but I'd I'd argue that I don't know that it would be better. Like, I, I think that is the best version. Like. That seems great. There's nothing wrong with it. It works perfectly. Yeah, no, it's um, and yeah, it's it is. Like uh, Samuel Lettich, the director, or Sean Lettich, whatever his name is. Sean Lada. Um, what? Sean, Sean Lada. Lada. Yeah, uh, he, he put like he really put a lot of effort into making sure that that scene uh, delivered. He knew he knew that was where to put the money and effort. And he was right. Yeah, it's um no that like this go watch this movie, man. I also say impressively, you know, that like th- there were like I said plenty of times in the movie where I had to look at hair to tell if it was which brother, but a fight scene which is again a lot of quick cuts, a lot's happening. I always knew which one was which. Yeah. And that in itself is not easy and like there's a lot of fight scenes with two different actors. With that, I harder to tell. Yeah. So no, I nothing. But Most credible. of the Bourne series. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. I I don't even know if they if any action scenes take place in that movie because I guess they all happen during earthquakes. Pretty much. Yeah. You know what, Matt Damon. That's my answer. I'm fighting Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Silver Linings Playback is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. How many times has this happened to you? I just want to listen to a podcast. I can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups. You want to listen, not think. That's why there's Hobo Radio. 
you'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself. This doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all. Thanks, Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio, a weekly podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network.